And, you know, I've got a, a MacBook Air with Apple Silicon that I use to, you know, bang on and test on. And so when it came time to do a recording, I would have to start over, you know, pull the, the production version of macOS, not a beta version and get Chrome on it. And, and you know, it'd just be like, okay, an, ex- an extra 15 minutes that I'd have to, you know, set aside. And Do you I, know of an MDM that does like an automated deployment type thing that you could use for that? Absolutely. Wow. Interesting. Yeah, and I would use it. <laughs> that way, I would skip all the setup assistant screens and right. automatically install Chrome. Yeah. What? Hmm. Amazing. This is not. This is not your grandfather's MDM. This is you, the new MDM. My grandfather did not have an MDM. <laughs> Welcome to the Mac DevOps YVR podcast. This podcast is about the Mac DevOps YVR conference in beautiful Vancouver, British Columbia. We interview guests and discuss topics around managing Macs using open source software products inspired by DevOps. Our goal is to encourage developers and IT to work together to solve problems for our community. For more information, see our website, mdoyvr.com. This is the Mac DevOps podcast. My grandfather did not graduate from high school. So when I sent out a, a handmade postcard to announce to family and friends that I had received my liberal arts degree, I misspelled the word received when I was using Photoshop or whatever. And the day that he received that postcard with the misspelling from the college graduate, I think was the best day of his life. <laughs> nice. Nice. Come up and Yeah. When he retired from Cuneo Farms, he was like 73 years old, I think, in, in, in the accounting office. And he was, I think, still the youngest guy in that office. <laughs> nice. Well, when you love what you do. You end up working a lot. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to the Mac DevOps podcast. Today, I'm joined by the always be in Hawaii co-host JD. How you doing, JD? I'm doing well, Matt. How are you doing? Your background is giving me serious FOMO. I know, but I'm not actually in Hawaii. I'm just imagining I'm in Hawaii. And this is an audio medium, so they can't even see what you're talking about. Well, Use your mind's eye. Audience, picture a beautiful man on a beautiful beach. And that's JD. <laughs> Today we are joined by a guest, a special guest for episode 100 of the Mac DevOps podcast. Surprise, surprise, it's Eric. How's it going, Eric? Matt, thanks for having me. It's going great here in Chicago. Imagine a beautiful man in a beautiful background, and that's Matt X. (laughs) Oh, I'm, I'm turning all red. Eric, I've had a man crush on you forever. You're just a beautiful, beautiful person. And you've always been so kind to me. And um, I thought we'd surprise you by bringing you on the podcast. And it's episode 100. That's a magic number. I love, I love magical numbers. We met someone at a party that said that when they were working out, that they would always push themselves to end in a rep with a prime number, which was kind of dangerous because like, if they do like 11, you know, bench presses or whatever, they'd be like, okay, okay I'm going to. I'm going to go up to 13. And then she would think to herself, well, if I, if I go one more, then I, I can't end in 14 or 15 or 16. It's got to go all the way to 17. And 
Yeah. Wow. I, I try and follow the the numbers in pi. So if it's like three, one, four, then the set has to, you know, where's Steve Heyman? He? He's, he's, uh, he's, he's good at that. I yeah. don't have nearly as many digits of pi memorized. Yeah. Um, I have many slices of pie. Ooh. But yeah. That's imagine like, a beautiful man with a beautiful pie. <laughs> uh, yeah. I, I, I don't know. That prime number thing is uh, it's pretty cool. But I, I, when I'm in the pool, I just say one more, just one more. <laughs> does that work? It does. It does work. I, I don't think about how many I want to do. I just think about one more. And same with Mac DevOps. You know, it's a lot of effort, right? So I was like, we don't have to do it again if we don't want to. We just do one more. Just, just you know. And then it, eight, eight years later, <laughs> you know, we're still doing it. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Well, you don't tell yourself, hey, I'm going to start a conference that's going to run for 25 years, right? You say, I'm going to put together a conference. I, I'm guessing you say, I'm going to put together a conference and see if I can survive this first year. Yeah. I mean, you start with a premise, right? Like, we're going to make a conference that doesn't suck. That's easy. And not knowing anything about putting a conference together gives you all the confidence in the world, right? Yeah. Um, ignorance and, and, and optimism, you know, with a careful mix, you know, then you can do a lot of things. If you have a, I sound really cheesy, but if you have a true heart and a true intention, you know, if you have a good, good intention, I think that, uh, you know, ignorance shouldn't stop you from doing things and accomplishing things, but it also helps having JD. <laughs> Did you have anybody for the first Mac? DevOps, YVR, did, did you have anybody that kind of pulled you aside and said, Matt, this is, this is going to take over your life and you're not going to sleep and put on this conference and take care of your clients just so, you know, just not trying to dissuade you, but I just need you to know that that's what's going to happen. I did, I did when I had the ridiculous idea that we're going to do Mac DevOps, because when Brian Morsing explained to me his whole monkey and puppet thing, and I said, you, everybody has to see this and we have to do a conference. And then you're going to talk at it. And, and then I assembled a couple of people that I, 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 you know, I said, oh, you guys are, you know, s- smart and capable. And maybe we can you, know, you throw a couple of ideas in the air and see how we can get this done and do the conference in a few months from now. It wasn't years. It was like five months away. And then I think they sort of got up and said, this is ridiculous. This is, you're not going to be able to do this. <laughs> Just like I'm the stupidest person in the room. So I'm like, I can do this. Like, are you crazy? <laughs> Go get out, get out of here. <laughs> so well, um, it's, I mean, on the one hand, you're, you're not trying to, or you weren't trying to organize, you know, a 25,000 person conference with multiple tracks. And, you know, it's, here's yeah. some ideas that I want the world to know about. And one way to do that is to put these people on stage and provide, provide the audience. Yeah, we did. We definitely, I mean, setting a low bar. Yes. We, 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 we had a very narrow set of goals that we wanted. I wanted it to be single track. I only wanted it to be one day. We did the first conference just one day. I said, how could I ruin one day? Like, you know, like luckily people wanted to come into town still for like a one day conference. Cause I figured they'd want to come to Vancouver, but I just said, let's just keep it simple. I'll pay for a couple of speakers to come out and see if anybody else wants to come out and then just hope and pray, book a room, get some catering. And, uh, you know, it, it went gangbusters from there. And so if, if someone else was thinking about putting on a conference in their own city and wanted to start, start small pandemic aside, what, or maybe not pandemic aside, what, what words of advice would you have for them? Do it. <laughs> but definitely, uh, I mean, 
I figured if I paid for one or two speakers, then, and I had no budget, no, no sponsor money in the beginning. Like uh, I just said, I, I have to do this, but I would just say, just find one person that wants to speak, book a room, book a space or organize discord or however, whether you can do a local community event, uh, you know, in person or online, just find one person that wants to say one thing and just do like, keep it narrow and focused and, and you can assume that other people want to be there too. And, and that is the truth. People do want to get together. They do want to meet up and they do want to share ideas. And I think the honest, generous feeling of sharing is infectious and people, you know, they, they generally want to learn from others and they want to share what they've learned. And it's the secret recipe. You know, it's like, yeah. And for anyone who's thinking about being a speaker at a conference, it's just really, and I'm, I hope you've heard this before, potential speaker, but everyone in the room that is listening to your talk wants you to succeed. Like everyone wants to help you create something beautiful. So use that power of, of your audience to take care of your audience and, and to, to harness that magic, to harness that attention and, and together come up with something cool. Yeah. So hats hats off to you for 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 making that happen for the past eight years. Yeah, I mean you gotta you gotta live in the moment, live in the day, you know, in that be in that present moment, and maybe just forget about whether school or high school or your parents or somebody said something mean to you. You know that happens in life. Just start again, Mac DevOps or any local meetup or any conference. Just take a new new a new chance on yourself and share what I like from the quick talks idea with the lightning talks, different ways of doing it, but just share one thing you've done, like everyone solved the problem. And I think those are, those are great for telenovelas and drama series, but they're also good for talks, just show how you overcame something. And that's a, a powerful story. And we, we all need a win. So show us how you won something you figured something out, or maybe even a talk about struggling is still good. Like it's, it's, that those are great talks to listen to as much as we want to listen to a nine hour talk about how to configure something because that could be useful. But sometimes it's not hard. It's not easy to listen to that. So we need a quick sort of like, what did you win? Did you like manage to like configure a server or you, you know, signed up for a new MDM service and then you took the time to figure it out or, you know, and, you know, th there's lots of wins. And, and I think that's a great, powerful message. And you can encourage yourself and you, you got to start somewhere. I, I think the story of the win is even sweeter if it also includes the story of loss. Like, hey, uh, here's a big mistake I made, and here's how I iterated, here's what I learned from that failure, and ultimately here's, here's how it came out, and no one died, and I, I learned these lessons that I'm now hoping to impart to you. And that's why I came up with the... Uh, the, the name MacDevOps, and I, I I don't know when we're gonna be able to put on MacDevOps, or if that's gonna be a separate track. We could do a separate uh, track, or you know, we could have a a, a fails day, and uh, <laughs> yeah, it's it's a it's a very powerful message about how you know either someone you know that you think is a superhero, and you you hear a story about how they broke something or failed at something or weren't perfect the first time. I mean, these are all these can encourage you. I think that was in the short list of things that we have to do to make Mac DevOps awesome. And, and one was not suck. And one was like, it was sort of like this no rock stars. I mean, like Eric Dreher, like you've like given a million talks, right? So you sound great, but every talk you get a little bit better. And Greg Nagel, he gets a little bit better. His talks are amazing. But how do you get new speakers? How do you encourage people who've never spoken before to get up and 
try to do something they're not perfect at, right? Like, you know, some people's personalities are, let's do it if we're perfect, but let's not do it if we're not. So trying to encourage people to get up there and try something and then to slowly develop and, and to polish their talking and speaking skills. And It's hard. It's hard. That's why uh, we're doing a workshop with Ashton to help speakers and try to provide an opportunity for people to become the next generation or this generation or just how, how do we help people? Like Mac DevOps is a, is a long running con on how to help people. <laughs> you know, how do we help each other? How do we build the community? How do we, you know, make ourselves stronger? Is that going to be on the back of the, the sweatshirt? <laughs> a long running con to help yeah. people? Con as in conference and as in a con confidence oh. game. Oh, <laughs> yeah. I mean, uh, I, I'm a simple man, so the shirts are simple. But uh, yeah, yeah. It's it's. I I wanted to help myself and I wanted to help others. So you know, there's a been a couple of goals and and in terms of failing, you know, I feel like the conference has been like a a partial success every year. Like I always have. I set high goals for myself, but I also try to take care of myself by saying, okay, I'm, I'm happy with what I did. We did a lot of good work, but we could do better, but I'm not going to beat myself up over it. You know, that's, I think that's a normal way how to get through life. You got to set yourself some goals, but you can't even beat yourself up if you don't configure your MDM perfectly the first day, or you screw up something else or, you know, whatever challenge you're facing, but don't be satisfied either. Like, you know, I know the first conference I wanted to have lots of women speakers and there was zero, right? So I was like, okay, I failed, but I did something. Now let's try again, you know, and it's just like, how do we get different speakers? How do you get someone who, you know, you know, doesn't work for a megacorp, right? So that's, you, you gotta, gotta try and try again. And keep trying. And kudos for not saying, hey, I tried and it didn't work out. I'm not going to try again. You know, there's, there's the, uh, the trope of what do you call doing the same thing over and over again and, and expecting a different result and that's insanity, but that's also practice, right? Like you do the same thing over and over again and you hope to improve. And hopefully the, you know, the, the, the thing about trying again and again and again is that you don't try exactly the same thing that you try to figure out what, what did I do that? Is there anything, anything that I can change about what I did, but I still want to do the same thing. I still want to invite more speakers. I still want to ask more people still want to put it out there that we want more speakers that are women. We want more speakers of, that are people of color. We, that, that doesn't happen by itself. That happens with a lot of communication and, and asking and asking again and again and again. And, you know, in the past, like, you know, it costs money. Like in the old days, you know, <laughs> when you'd pay people for flights and in hotel rooms. You know, if you want people to like move somewhere for a week, you know, take a plane and come out for a conference, that's, you know, you got to back up your, your, your noble interests with money, you know, and cash and helping people to do that. Right. So it's, it's not super easy. And encouraging people that, that have never met you is also not always simple. Some people are like, oh, you're excited about this thing. I'm excited about this thing. Let's do it. You know, and other people are like, nah, we don't know you or you're not part of our community or so it's, it's definitely a long running con, right? You gotta, you gotta try and make connections, gotta try and make friends, try to grow your network, try to find people that are excited and that want to speak or, you know, uh, there's some arm twisting with getting people to speak and encouragement. Well, is, is part of that also finding what other communities are out there outside of your own, the, mm -hmm. the community that you're most familiar with. That, yes. That's definitely how we brought in the security track to this, you know, is, is discovering that there's whole Mac 
security community, thanks to Patrick yeah. and others. Yeah, and I, I I just been slowly trying to grow my uh, network of people that I follow on Twitter, like you know women scientists and security professionals and people doing different things and finding out where people are excited about what they're doing and and inviting them. And, and I mean, security has always been important to us, but there's just a lot of cool different speakers and different people excited about what they're doing in that community. So that's why we've put, brought a lot of security people in the past. And yeah, the paradox of how to grow your network when you don't know how to connect to another network outside of your own, right? It's, 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 a, it's a struggle, but you know, it's a, it's a worthwhile struggle, but it's, uh, you know, uh, reaching out to people on Twitter sometimes is like, hey, yeah, awesome. Yeah, that sounds really cool. And then other people are like, who the heck are you? Go away. Or, you know, that's, it, you know, and that's totally reasonable. Both, both reactions are totally reasonable, right? Like, some people on Twitter are just there just to talk out loud and they don't need or want any interaction from anyone. That's, that's fair. Twitter is like talking in an empty room. You know, it's, it's fine. Other people do want to be engaged with, right? So yeah, it's, it's, a, it's effort, you know. <laughs> How glad are you that you don't have to worry about food and catering for this year's MacDevOps? As much as I'm a nice guy, I like to complain. And one of the things I've always complained about is choosing, you know, the catering was always difficult and the first Mac DevOps and a few others, we'd work with a catering team that were great and excellent. Thank you, everyone who helped us in the past. But arguing about how many vegan muffins we could get, and I think I always get pushback. They're like, nobody eats vegan food. And I'm like, I'm vegan. I want a few vegan muffins. I always go to conferences and there's like chocolate covered bacon. I don't eat that. Like, I just, I want something I can eat. And they're like, nobody wants that. You know, it's too many vegan muffins. So I just hate arguing about food and trying to figure out how many muffins we need. Yeah. So I'm, I'm very glad that we're not doing that. But if the price of me choosing muffins is 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 the reason is yeah, if I could get everybody back again, I would <laughs> get us all back again and, and keep everyone safe. So is Mac DevOps really a long con to get you more vegan muffins? To get everyone else eating more vegan muffins. Like everyone else, yeah. <laughs> it's definitely uh yeah, it's uh, <laughs> it's it basically I was like, I want the conference that I want to go to. I want to make that <laughs> other people want to come too, but did you all see that? macOS servers finally deprecated. Yes, <laughs> server.app. Yeah, poor, we poured one out for, for macOS 10 server. I mean, server app was neat and interesting, but it also cannibalized or subsumed or sublimated, I don't know, xanadmin. So can they spit out xanadmin and give that back to us? Because, uh, yeah, now it's back to xn in, in CLI only. But yeah, server app is dead and uh, I don't know. Apple likes to kill things. Uh, they move really fast and trample things underfoot. <laughs> what, what would you rather have, server app or erase all content and settings? I, I, I think uh, server app is much more useful, but I don't know. Other people would disagree. Uh, wow, controversial. I, I am definitely all in for erase all content and settings. It's, it's nifty, definitely. I, I've, I've used it, not in anger, but no. Um, yeah, I mean, Apple at different times has decided that they could like give a go with like, you know, scientific data, XGrid, asset management, uh, Final Cut Server, VFX, Shake, Enterprise Storage, XN, XServe, XServe RAID. Yeah, so they've tried to get into a lot of industries and I guess they realize that some require a lot more effort. I mean, how many billions of dollars do you need to do something? I don't know, man. Like, stay hyper-focused is nice, but... Uh, when XServe RAID first came available, storage is really expensive. And I appreciate the, the way that, and I don't know that it was XServe RAID, but it was just, you know, overall economic trends and, and technology. But 
yeah, after a number of years, we didn't really need Apple to be providing that low cost, high performance storage. No, because there were so many other th- th- that made space for so many other people to come in and say, "Oh, well, we've got a solution too." And I think Apple was wise to say, "Okay, you you y'all got this. Now we can focus on other things." Definitely. I, I definitely agree. I mean, I, I've, I've played with lots and lots and lots of different RAID manufacturers. And when they said, we're not making XR of RAID, but we can give you this hardware from Promise and it works great. And I was like, wow, this is actually the Promise stuff is way better than the XR of RAID was <laughs> mostly. And is actually 10 times better than a lot of other stuff that I've used even at that point. So um, that was all great. I mean, whether they needed to run their own server OS, you know, it's arguable. I mean, XN, I'm still using XN and it's still built in and updated in OS 10 in Mac OS. So that's cool. And I guess most people have gone to either the cloud or local like NAS, you know, f- for file services and whatnot. So it's arguable. Yeah. I mean, well, in, in the cloud in general, I mean, a lot of the things that Mac OS Server did. There's other solutions for that, and it it makes sense for Apple to focus on the things that Apple does best. When they first came out with uh, my my introduction to Mac OS X Server was back when I was helping a private K twelve school manage labs of Mac OS nine computers, and it was Apple Share IP was the server before that, and yep. yeah, so we switched over to Mac OS X Server. With no UI, with you know just just that that beta, but you know you could you could look at logs, and that was super exciting to me. I came from a Sun Sun OS Solaris background, uh, and when I saw that Apple was doing a Unix flavored OS, that's what that's what got me excited. That's what got me on on the Apple train way yeah. back at the I mean, turn of the century. Just realizing that I could run all the stupid like Emacs, Nano, all the all the uh, Unix commands and everything, and pop up an X Windows and actually see a Sunbox on my OS X, like just run X Windows. Like I can manage the Sun server for my Mac. That was one of the first things I did when I had my Mac when I, I installed you know Mac OS X. Like the just transformed the entire universe. All of a sudden, was like, oh, okay, there's a lot opened up. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I was crushed when i found out that pine does not actually stand for pine is not elm that that was uh <laughs> that was a rumor that was started after pine was named and elm of course is the electronic mail reader and pine was a replacement for elm uh fond memories of elm but yeah we're we're old now we're super old i think we met i guess from mac worlds or mac techs and and doing some xn stuff but I guess definitely uh, you were a speaker at Macworld. I guess that's we, how we first met, perhaps, and from the Apple mailing list, which sounds very old now too. But that before Slack, uh, the mailing list was where everybody was. And to do my job or our jobs, uh, you know, you just ask a question on the mail list and go, "Hey, how do? You, what the heck is XN? Or how do I configure this mail server? Anyone have any clues for Postfix?" And you know. yeah, yeah, that, those were the days. I spent a lot of time during those years using Google to search for answers to questions and then finding the answer that I had written five years ago in a mailing list or not, not the answer, usually the question. Like I had asked the same question five years ago that I'd forgotten that I ran into my, you know, I 
don't remember running into that issue. Apparently I did because I had the exact same error message five years ago that I'd never figured out. Yeah, unlike Slack, which is searchable, I guess, but mailing lists were a lot more searchable is indexed by Google and other indexing services. But yeah, people would often email me going, hey, I Googled this thing and I found the question that you asked. What was the answer? <laughs> or because I was using my work email, I'd get some random phone calls from people who are like, so I'm trying to configure this XN and I heard your name. And uh, it's like, uh, who are you? Like, like <laughs> But you helped them, right? Of course. I mean, that's, yeah. that's just, I mean, I couldn't have done my job with all the help from all the mostly awesome, generous people from the mailing list time. I'm like, I mean, my, uh, you know, my wife went to school uh, you know, and, and got multiple degrees to learn stuff. And that's one way of learning, right? That, that's how you learn science and different things. But, you know, us in these made up disciplines, you've got to like figure it out by project by project and asking a lot of questions and and so thank you to everybody who's ever, ever helped me and it continues to help me, JD. <laughs> you're welcome, man. JD is the smart one. I was going to say, Eric, you know, when you were talking about what advice for setting up a conference from the, the organizer side or the organizational side. So Matt is definitely the face and the MC of, of <laughs> Mac DevOps, but having people behind the scenes that are well organized and, and able to take care of that is also very beneficial for making a, a conference successful and the behind the scenes people don't normally get seen because they're behind the scenes but but that really for a lot of conferences really makes or breaks a conference that i've seen and i've yeah, attended I, a few conferences did a couple of years without jd and then um techno diva recommended JD. shelly shelly yeah, was shelly. awesome shelly came up i i brought her out paid for a hotel room and, and said hey come and help me i just I'm like the frantic energy, the talent scout, the the enthusiasm that tries to bring everybody in. And then I do lots of things in random orders. And then JD always, you know, JD now is the one who's like, oh, okay, have you checked the list of things to do? Have you, are you doing the things? Matt, check yourself before you wreck yourself. <laughs> but yeah, a couple of years without JD. And then when JD and me, we found each other, it was a love at first sight. I mean, man's, the man's a solid ace. So. Great. Yeah. Um, Alan Hancock told me that JD was super solid at, at conferences, setting up, making sure everything's right, and just singing your praises to me. So, you're, yeah. if if your ears are burning the other day, that that's why JD. <laughs> if, I'm, if I'm stranded, twisted pair, then uh, JD is solid core, man. Nice. Well, that's a stress for a reference, but thanks, Matt. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, JD does things. Uh well, sorry, I meant does things well. But yeah, episode 100 to JD's idea. Let's do a podcast before the conference start. And then all of a sudden the pandemic happens. And then, yeah, here we are. <laughs> pandemic year 300. <laughs> Remember that magical time in June 2021? Yeah, June 2021, when, at least in the States, many people that wanted to get vaccinated could get vaccinated. And once you got your second dose, you kind of thought, all right, we're set. As long as we get vaccinated, we can go back out into the world. And and it didn't work out that way. Yeah, I think like as in tech, sometimes we have to reevaluate with new data. I was trying to figure out a, a tech problem with uh, reverse proxies of all things. And then I had to stop myself and go, okay, I've sort of convinced myself what I think that the solution to this problem is going to be. I have to like stop and think, 
let me reevaluate. What am I trying to accomplish? You know, it's kind of like that X, Y, but like, what, what am I trying to do? Is this, you know, what I'm trying, what I think is going to do, is it, is this even impossible to do with the way I think it's going to do it? So, you know, you got to stop sanity check, call a friend, go on a forum, you know, ask for some, yeah, I'm trying to solve this problem that looks kind of like this, you know, and do you think this is even possible? Like, am I doing it wrong or is it just not possible or is there another better way or when there's new data, reevaluate? Yeah, asking for help is super important. Stepping away, being able to step step away and kind of let that problem sit for a, a bit and then return your attention to it. But it's it's well-trodden material, but it's just so tempting when you know that if you leave the problem, when you come back to it the next morning after a good night's sleep, you'll be able to find you'll be able to find the solution in in seconds. So why can't you time shift and just make those seconds happen now and not tomorrow? And so at least for me, I'm very tempted to just just keep pressing, just keep hammering and you know, just a few seconds, just a few seconds more, just a few seconds more. And that turns into an hour and two hours and four hours. Whereas if you just let it be, come back. I'll sometimes I'll find the the answer, but you know, also ask asking for help. Just today, I was uh, playing with Octa workflows. I added a uh, a card, and in this in the card, you can Octa workflows is is a no code, low code solution that lets you access uh, API calls with little cards, the little Lego blocks that you drop into a workflow, uh, and there were. For each card, you can set a bunch of fields that you want in your inputs and a bunch of fields that you want in your outputs. And you know how when you when you turn on App Remote Desktop and you option click and it selects all the check marks or unselects, deselects all the check marks. Like I wanted something like that because there were nine check boxes. And I was like, ah, oh, I have to click each one of these check boxes that I don't want. Like is there a way to deselect all the check boxes? So I posted in Mac Admin Slack in Okta Workflows channel, like, hey, here's the thing that I'm trying to do. Other, you know, people jumped in. Oh, yeah, that's a feature request. And Gabriel Shroka, who wrote the the Rockstar Okta Chrome plugin, was like, oh, well, here's some JavaScript that you can inject into the page and it'll do it. I was like, wow, that is amazing. And I would have had no idea that that existed until I asked, until I asked for help. It's amazing what people do. And I definitely lurk in so many Mac admins channels and everywhere on Twitter as well, because I'm just trying to soak in everything that everybody is doing and serious FOMO, but also just like, it's so fascinated by how people solve solutions and solve problems. And sometimes when I see cool uh, ways of doing things, I just file them away. And then later I go, hmm, I heard something about this before. Let me go and find what. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. Just if it just makes an impression that you can come back to, if you don't remember exactly what the issue was, but like, hey, there's something about this that, that I can go back and look for, maybe a search term or language or, but yeah, it is, it is fascinating to watch people collaboratively attack a problem or collaboratively approach a problem. You never know when you're going to need something like this reverse proxy. I'd heard some people using caddy and I was like, oh, I'm never going to use that, but interesting. And then one day I'm like, huh, I think I need to lo- go look at that right now. That might solve this problem or. And did it? it? It actually did. And then I found that the problem was more complicated than I thought, but it did a really excellent job of what it was doing. And I was, you know, from screaming at the outside going, how does this thing work? And then I'm like, oh, oh, it's actually kind of simple to make this and that work. And then I realized, oh, maybe the problem's like deeper or I could, you know, I'm like, oh, this is what the proxy, I, I'm, 
I'm fascinated by what I've learned and frustrated by what seems to be there's further problems that I've discovered in this solution I'm trying to architect. Uh, but you have to have like, uh, what is it, the beginner's mind and uh, the patience of, uh, you know, uh, <laughs> of, yeah, of, absolutely. Of, of a monk, you know, or something. But it's really tempting when you're trying to get from point A to point C to get stuck in the details of point B when maybe just go around point B. But like, oh, that's like, oh, this point B thing, this is the DNS issue. And like, let's let's dig into that. I'm really fascinated. Maybe I could learn something or maybe just to just do it a different way. And that, that's why, like, you know, the single track uh, at any conference, whether it's Mac System and I, I, I've been told the single track and Mac DevOps, we always wanted it single track. And I always wanted everyone to be on the same adventure because, you know, there's going to be lots of different talks and about lots of different things and we're all on the same ride. And you never know when something you didn't think was going to be interesting turns out to be, oh, very fascinating. Or maybe you could use it later. Like when Joel was like, yeah, Graham was talking about Terraform and I never thought that was interesting. I zoned out. But the other day I was like looking at Terraform and, oh, I remember that he did, he gave this talk or, you know, you know, nobody wanted yeah. uh, an S3 repo for Monkey, and then all of a sudden, pandemic happened, and every, suddenly everybody's like, "How do you do that S3 repo in the, with Monkey now?" Uh, suddenly, need to be remote. <laughs> yeah, I want to thank you, Eric, because you've been so kind and generous to me over the years, giving me chances and engage with me when I had no idea they even knew that I was a person. Um, I know that's a weird thing to say. But it just like you reached out and you're like, Matt, you know, we should work together or do these things or you've always been super generous with your knowledge. And I appreciated hearing your talks and just being around you in the community. And um, yeah, you're just awesome. Wow, that is so great to hear that. That really warms my heart. It it, it inflates my head. I'm not going to be able to leave the room because the head's too big now. But uh, <laughs> that's really nice to hear. I, you as well have been very generous with your time and, you know, being the person that wants to give back to the community. Really, really appreciate that about you. And even better, I think my kids like you too. You're very good with the card tricks. So I got the uncle jokes. You're just an all around awesome dude. Thanks, man. Eric, how do we reach you on the internet? So in the Mac admin Slack, Eric Dreer, A-R-E-K-D-R-E-Y-E-R. Dreer rhymes with team player. On Twitter, at Eric Dreyer and in Discord and I'm a senior product engineer at Kanji and uh, the email address is eric.dreyer at kanji.io and we could find you in our local library or bookstore written and edited and put together so many cool books so those books thank you for saying those books are all deprecated <laughs> I still find value in them well, thanks. Thanks. I'm, I think I'm most proud of the Managing Apple Devices book. That was the one that I co-wrote with Adam Carnabogi. I co-wrote with Kevin White, a couple different versions. And uh, the, last, the last version that we had was right as Apple School Manager was hitting the world and shared iPad. And we... There weren't. There wasn't a term for the what both volume purchase program and device enrollment program was, and so I started using Apple programs for deployment, and that's what stuck. That's that's what Apple ended up calling them. We wrote that a book as as a course because we saw that there was a need in the market for more information about MDM, and uh, it wasn't. No one asked us to write it. It was just like. 
this information needs to be out there. Didn't sell all that well, but sure learned a lot. And it was really luxurious to be able to take the time to to really dig into Profile Manager. Um, not not so much that Profile Manager was a joy, um, but Profile Manager was a really good reference implementation of of MDM. It did a really good job of illustrating, you know, what what hooks were there in Apple devices for MDM to use. You know, there's there's nothing that you needed to install on your device in order for it to work with MDM. It's built into all of the OSs. So again, it was a luxury to be able to take the time and and really focus in on that and and learn a lot about MDM. The potential of MDM. I mean, I'm super excited about declarative device management. Yeah, and when it ships from Mac, long time coming. Yeah, I mean, desired end state. Like, wow, this is this is really awesome. How you're talking? You know, when when Apple first talked about it, it was for user enrollment only. And for those of you who aren't familiar with that, that kind of the three different ways of enrolling a device, there's automated device enrollment, which is through Apple Business Manager, Apple School Manager. The next on the list is device enrollment, which is where a user takes a device, usually a corporate or school-owned device, and manually goes to a web page or an enrollment page and clicks download and and open system preferences and accepts the profile and logs and you know provides admin credentials or a passcode if it's a iOS or iPadOS device. So that's automated device enrollment and device enrollment. And then the third is that that user enrollment, and that's for bring your own device, personally owned devices in a school or, or a corporate organization context, where you use a managed Apple ID to establish the relationship between that device and the management solution, the MDM solution. So yeah, the, so Apple says that declarative device management is starting out with a small footprint of user enrollment for iOS and iPadOS. And this summer, WWDC coming up really soon. I can't wait to hear what they have to say about declarative management. I can't wait to see what is available for us as MDM vendors to do for uh, our customers. I think we're all excited for uh, WWDC and all those professionally slick, awesome, tailored, you know, customized videos. And can't wait to talk about it with everybody at MDO, YVR, and every street corner and uh, local meetup group. We can uh, talk about all the new stuff and figure out what it means. <laughs> you, you said they're slick, and it, they are. I mean, there there is so much production value that goes into those. You know, those forty-five minute or half-hour hour sessions, really, really well produced. Like, tell a great story. They're 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 structured really well. That the, the narrative, the information. The transcript, the ability in the developer app to to search a transcript is just amazing, and there, I need those transcripts because the information is so dense, it's so packed, and kept coming. Like when I was working on the macOS support essentials for Big Sur reference, like to try to decipher or to try to summarize. Like here's what you need to know about starting up and, and the different modes of, of startup for an Intel-based Mac or a Mac with Apple Silicon, I went back to that that talk uh, about Apple Silicon and, and starting up and platforms. 
over and over and over and over and over again. And there's just so much good information. And I really appreciate it, like in the vein of the quick talks where they had a lot of different videos and some of them were short. I mean, this is just a one thing. This is the idea we're doing, whether it's a shortcuts thing or Mike Boylan talking about one thing and how it allowed Apple to showcase different speakers, like so many different faces and people and just say, here's a, a topic and here's someone you've never seen before. Or maybe we've known Mike, for example, but you know, there's all these different speakers and I just thought it was really refreshing and really awesome and kudos to Apple for making lemonade from lemons or just doing an awesome thing, you know, with, um, with this remote uh, setup and knowledge sharing. Just yeah. opening it up to the community and not making it this exclusive elitist club is really spectacular. Yeah. Thanks for joining us on the podcast. I look forward to your keynote talk and hearing about your awesome overview of everything and everything. I can't wait to share it. It's a high bar that you set there, Matt. <laughs> uh, yeah. Thank you so much for inviting me. I am so pleased that this is the 100th episode. Thank you for joining us for another Mac DevOps YVR podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, consider buying us a cup of coffee at buymeacoffee.com slash mdopod. Support and encourage developers and IT to work together to solve problems for our community by supporting Mac DevOps. Buy us a cup of coffee at buymeacoffee.com slash mdopod. If you're interested in sponsoring the Mac DevOps YVR conference and podcast, send an email to hello at mdoyvr.com. Thank you to our awesome Mac DevOps sponsors. For the 2022 Mac DevOps conference, we would like to thank Kanji, our platinum sponsor. Thank you, Kanji. Visit them at kanji.io. Our gold sponsor is SimpleMDM. Thank you, SimpleMDM. Visit them at simplemdm.com. Our silver sponsor is Adigy. Thank you, Adigy. Visit them at adigy.com. And thank you to our live stream sponsor, Mac Stadium. Visit them at macstadium.com. Our graphics recording sponsor is FleetDM. Please visit them at fleetdm.com. Please take a moment to visit all our sponsors. We could not hold Mac DevOps YVR without the support of our sponsors. Thank you so much. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you for joining us today for the Mac DevOps podcast. Thank you to our guests. And thank you to our co-hosts. Today's episode was edited by J.D. Strong. Please like and share this podcast on your favorite podcast service. How do we simplify our world, right. Eric? How do we make our world better? Come on, man. That's where you're I here. think it starts by taking care of each other. Aw. That's the truth. I'll drink to that. Glug, glug. <laughs> <laughs>